And that's kind of how it originally started because it was like a bunch of us talking shit of like, oh, bro, if I ever went against you, I'd fucking take, you know, our crew would take your crew out. And that kind of transition in Survivor games where it's like, all right, well, we got this platform now. Let's see who's who's really the top dog in DayZ. And then obviously other people in the community wanted to get involved. Yeah, I think it's kind of like falling back to everyone wants to somehow leave their mark, right? And I think the video game kind of gives you, or a video game, I should say, gives you a unique way to do that because you're you're definitely going to have to put pieces of yourself into it, right? Like anything you work on is going to reflect who you are as a person. You've been listening to today's guest, Lou, and this is Emotive. I'm your host, Dan. And judging by the response on Twitter I got putting out the promo on Friday, uh, I'm guessing that uh, some of you know today's guests. So if you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, This podcast kind of started as a way for me to have some one-on-one conversations with friends and try to kind of expand my knowledge base and horizons. And also, I just love podcasts, so... That was some of my motivations behind it, but I just love having these one-on-one discussions where we set aside time to learn more about each other. And uh, today was no different. Got to talk to Lou about a lot of things. We got to talk about uh, Lou's early interest in video games, his service in the military, including one special story (laughs) from that. Just transitioning into how he ended up going to school for game development and then his path to finding a job and then some some other topics that we could get into along the way and there's this there's this apparently infamous thing called story time with lou and that's what we're here for today so and a little uh side note that i'm going to put at the beginning and the end of this episode I'm going to be off next week for a family outing. So if you're new to the podcast, feel free to check out some of the back catalog while I'm absent and subscribe if you enjoy. Thanks very much. Our website is pod.co slash emotive. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, Lou. It's been a while since I talked to you. Yeah, it is been a minute. <laughs> I don't know. It must have been, uh, I don't even know. Like, when did we do that? It was like the first season of that uh, role play campaign with Thoglore. Um, it, that must have been like 2017 or something. But I think I've, I think I've seen you here or there, here and there in, uh, in Thoglore's channel, maybe in the chat. But yeah. I'm trying to remember, dude. Like, everything, <laughs> it, it's weird because it's like everything in the past. I think three last three years has just been at like warp speed for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like everything is just mushed together, right? Like I'm thinking, yeah. oh yeah, that was like you know a year ago, and I'm talking with Hicks and stuff, and it's like, dude, that was like three, four years ago. And I'm like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Is my timeline all fucked up now? I have the same problem with the last couple of years. Yeah, we'll just say it's been a few years. Yeah, I just wanted to like we never really we chatted throughout the campaign then, but I never really got to know you as a person. So that's kind of what I want to do today is to just kind of hear, hear a little bit about yourself and your story. Everybody has like this, this story of how they found Twitch and like, mm. you know, whatever your, your background when you were a kid up until now playing games, like obviously if you're still playing games into your, into your twenties and, and I don't even know, are you, how old are you now? You're what? Late twenties. 
Uh, early thirties. Early thirties. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. If you're playing, if you're playing, I would say if you're playing games into your thirties, it's still holding your interest in a way. So what, tell me a little bit about your background and, uh, like why you're still playing games now. I think for me, it was like, it was weird. Like I, my mom used to work a lot when I was little. And so I was always, um, at like daycare centers and latchkey type stuff. One of her friends ran this daycare and so I'd be there all the time. And there's like, a the first uh nintendo and super nintendo like the next year they got it and i never really like i'd play here and there but i never really got like hooked into it and then like my mom's friend bought me a game boy and this was i was like fourth grade fifth grade i think like the clear ones like the old big fat ones yep i had one yep like the only game i had for it was like tetris that my mom's like boyfriend had bought me and i was just like bro this is gonna hold my attention for all of like (laughs) You can only play Tetris, so it's not really like a game that hooks you, right? Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's funny because um, didn't the Game Boy come with Tetris? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's like, here, I got you this game, and it's like you could tell it already been opened and then like separately wrapped. And I was just like, come thanks, on, bro. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. then like Pokemon came out, right? And I think that was like my first taste of just like, dude, this is gonna fucking. I don't know. I just got glued to it. It was like my first run in with video games where I was actually like immersed in it. I mean, not really like you can't really get immersed in Pokemon, right? Sure you can. I mean, you could like there's a, there's a lot to do because you got to catch them all, right? Right. But not on the level where like, you know, when you're playing uh, DayZ and you're oh, like, yeah, I hear you. okay. in it. I mean, you just get glued to Pokemon. You don't get like, I don't know. Maybe you do, but it's all relative as a kid, like you consume what what's in front of you so you could get i got immersed in the most simple games just because i i wanted an escape from from my reality so was it kind of like the same for you you wanted to like eat up some of this shitty time where you just got to wait around i think so and it, and it kind of gave me that like sense of achievement right like dude i'm beating the shit out of these fucking pleb ass trainers you know like as you're working <laughs> your way up to your first gym like sure i got this and then you're playing the first gym and you're like, okay, well, I picked the wrong starter Pokemon. Let me restart. Like that was a dry run. Like we're not even worried about that. And you're just like going through these paces where you're, it's challenging, but you're overcoming like what's put in front of mm. you. Right. Whereas for me, like in school and shit, I always struggled and there was just not that like, I don't know, motivation to complete the quote unquote quest, you know, your homework or whatever, however you want to yeah. frame that. And so here I felt like I was having fun with what I was doing and feeling like I was progressing and getting better. And like, I had the whole, what were those, those like, uh, Nintendo guidebooks, right? Oh yeah. 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 And I'm like, you know, planning out what Pokemon I'm going to take to the elite four. And like, I had no clue about like the IV breeding and all that stuff. I mean, the internet was still a little bit early there. It was like dial up still. Yep. It was like late nineties or what? Or yeah, it had to be late nineties. Cause I was in like, oof fifth grade sixth grade i think Mm. when i like really started playing to it but i was always kind of nerdy in that fact of like if it wasn't video games i'd be reading a book like yeah i think i'm one of the few kids that probably got in trouble for reading a book and not doing their chores and shit (laughs) really okay because it's just like you're obviously in a way more interesting place than the city washing dishes right yeah yeah i i kind of had the same thing i would get in trouble for but mostly it was video games like they would they would encourage me to read books but 
it just like was not an option for me to skip chores. It's pretty obvious if I wasn't doing them. So, oh yeah, it was like instantly like, boom, get up there, do it. Yeah. No, the, the Pokemon thing like completely passed me by because it was just a few years, uh, you know, by the time it was becoming popular, I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. So I, it just seemed, it was just like a little bit too kid friendly for me at the yeah. time. So I was just like a, I was a few years past that. So I, but yeah, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. I wasn't expecting you to go into, uh, <laughs> Pokemon and all this stuff, but no, that's cool. I mean, everybody starts somewhere for me. It was, you know, Nintendo and Game Boy and then Super Nintendo. And it was, you know, PlayStation and Nintendo 64 around, around the time when I was, uh, getting into high school and stuff like that. But yeah. I could never convince my like uh, my stepdad and my mom to ever get me into that stuff because it was just they saw it as like too expensive, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess back then, you know, a couple hundred bucks went a lot further than it does now. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, no, we got we got a Nintendo when like the Super Nintendo was coming out. You know? Yeah, and and then and then we got the Super Nintendo when you know when other stuff. So we always were like a generation behind. So so how did you uh, how did you end up signing up for the military you know what branch were you in and my mom started dating this guy and they ended up getting married became my stepdad he was uh used to be in the marine corps and so like all growing up it was kind of like we'd go to the air shows he'd take me to the low marine corps recruiting freaking corner they had there right and you're doing like the pull-ups trying to get the t-shirt (laughs) <laughs> and like no matter how you do the pullets it's not perfect enough so you're always i was always like five shy but i weighed like next to nothing then i was probably like 90 pounds soaking wet like yeah. growing up i never put on a shut ton of weight i just i don't know fast metabolism fucking something going through high school i just kind of didn't know what i wanted to do like at some point i think i was like dead set on opening a reptile pet shop or something <laughs> okay okay yeah dude i was all <laughs> over the place man like i just didn't know what the hell i wanted to do with myself growing up i was just like this seems interesting and i get sucked into that and then I'd be like all right this new thing seems cool get sucked into that but yeah so like i got out of high school and i didn't want to go like right into college because one i didn't like my family was not well off by any means so there was no money coming in my mom had like divorced my stepdad and it was pretty nasty so they were both like pulling each other all over the place with trying to court fees and all that other stuff so i was working construction with my uncle and he was giving me some like cash on the side to help him out like while i decided what i wanted to do and my cousin came over for like a family reunion thing and was telling everyone like oh yeah i joined the marine corps signed up going to boot camp soon i'm sitting there thinking in my head like i thought about doing that like it seems pretty dope like that's definitely going to be an adventure right and if she can do it dude it can't be that freaking hard yeah sure and this is like me dumb at like 18 and like you know and then they say they pay for your freaking school and all that stuff so you know what the heck let's go do it and i went with her to recruiter's office (laughs) i remember like like, all right, so what do you want to, we're going to have you take this ASVAB, depending on how you score, you know, you can, we'll tell you what jobs are open if there's slots and stuff like that. I was like, all right. So I take this test and like, I'm not an idiot, but I definitely like did not try hard in high school. Like I never really applied myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just never was a fan of homework and there was no way to apply the 
advanced mass into anything that kind of piqued my interest to want to continue down that route. So like this test was the weirdest thing because there's like all this math stuff on there, some logic and all that. I'm just like guessing at this point because like, fuck, I don't even remember this in school, whatever. <laughs> and apparently like I didn't score high, but I scored well enough that like I was qualified for all the jobs except for like fucking bionuclear some shit, you know. Oh, really? Like, stuff wow. I wouldn't even care about anyways. Like oh. sounds cool, but I don't. I don't really want to play with radiation. I'm like, not really all about that. So he's like looking at me like, all right, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, like, let's do infantry. And he just looks at me <laughs> like I'm crazy. Like, I was like, why else would you join the military? Like, if I wanted to go drive a car, go get like a trucking fucking job, right? Like, yeah, sure. I mean, is it fair to say that like, you didn't really know that that was an option in the You thought like, if you're going to join the Marine Corps, you're going to become like a Marine, like you see in movies and stuff. And and you didn't realize that there's actual like career paths that people can take. Right. Yeah. Like I didn't, I wish I would have taken the ones that were more geared towards like programming and, you know, stuff like that. Cause I, like, as I was getting out, the recruiter called me about that. Mm. And I was just like, nah, bro, I've already, it, it'll make sense as we talk about it later. But I was like, I'm already done. I did four years. You guys are fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> I mean, did, did you even know that that was that was a path you wanted to take when you're 18? It seems like you were yeah. you weren't even sure you were going to figure it out later. Right. I was dead set. Like, I'm going to do 20 years. I'm going to fucking retire and be like infantry badass. Like, that's going to be me. And so huh. they're like, all right, well, we got like presidential security. And I was like, does that come with like a top secret clearance? And like, yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to be James. Like in my head, like I'm going to be like James Bond. And thank fucking God that like the events leading up to me shipping out to boot camp happened because I would have been even more miserable. <laughs> oh boy. Basically presidential security is you see like when they're doing those news conferences, those Marines that stand like outside the white house and just salute. And they just like fucking stand there all day. Pretty much. Yep. That's what presidential security is. Oh my God. You stand at attention for how long? I don't know, but it's gotta be freaking couple hour shifts knowing the Marine Corps, if not longer. I don't know. I just know that like, Learning like that's what that was it was like, dude. Why would anyone want to do that? Like, mm. probably you know, like people like me thinking, oh yeah, top secret clearance, presidential security. I'm like, president's bodyguard and shit or something, you know? Yeah, but it's, it's just standing there <laughs> looking like a moron in a uniform. Like, nah. So, I mean, yeah, for to each their own, I guess. I don't know. I mean, maybe for some dudes, but just for me, like I get all fidgety, like standing there, like I'll just get bored. Like, what are you supposed to do? Just sit there and you're standing in one place for hours. I don't well, know. Well, what was it like for you? Cause you had to do some sort of a, a boot camp, right? Like basic, basic training and, and stuff like that. I mean, I tried to wallflower my way through there, right? Like I'd done some military, like my stepdad sent me to military summer camp. So I kind of was already familiar with like, drill and rank and all that stuff and so that wasn't like as pain in the ass like I, I i guess i didn't draw the attention too hard as far as like messing any of that kind of stuff up right and then getting thrashed for it but like ended up they have this thing that's called like the house mouse right and what mm -hmm. that is is during morning cleanup you go and you clearing the drill instructor's room like freaking clean out a shower mop oh, the great. floor you're like the fucking maid bitch right but everybody else is cleaning like the rest of the squad bay so it's not as bad, but they, it's, <laughs> you're probably it's, judged a lot more harshly, I would guess, right? Yes and no. Like, I don't, it, it really depends. Like in my experience, and, and, and I don't know if this is just like maybe each, you know, company does it differently or drill instructors, you know, may have their own ways of 
what they do. And maybe like our dude just, he called it house mouse. It might be, I don't know. It's weird because like everyone tends to do things differently, right? He would call us in. It was me and this other kid, uh, Vayon. And we were like the two scrawniest skinny guys. I think I was like a buck 20 when I went into boot camp. Like we were on double rations to get more food to try to like bulk us up. We were just like the scrawny little kids, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in there, we'd be cleaning and the drill instructor would be asking us questions like, so who's a kiss ass, you know, like trying to girls for information on what's going on in the squad bay. So, and then like bribing us with like, oh, you want this power bar? Yeah. Tell me what so-and-so was doing last night. Blah, blah. So it's like this weird, like interrogation. But what like, the, sounds like a prison friendly. warden. Right. <laughs> it's fucking creepy. And I was just like. All right, I guess I can use this to his favor. So, like, all the dudes that were just like making everybody else miserable because they'd be fucking up, just throw them under the bus even more and getting like power bars and shit out of it. <laughs> like, nothing malicious, but just like, yeah. yeah, that motherfucker talks mad shit when your back's turned. Well, and so I don't, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's it just funny because, like, you don't really like think about it then, but it's like, yeah, it's basically, it's like, it's similar to prison, right? Where you're like talking to the guard, like, yeah, that motherfucker's over there doing shady shit. And like, you're trying to redirect their attention away from like all the shady shit you're doing <laughs> or your group's doing. And that's pretty much how it was. Like we had one dude like stashing granola bars and shit. And then so someone on watch took one of those and put it in this other dude's stuff that had been fucking around a morning cleanup, getting us all sent to the sand pit and shit. Ooh. And so then when they called me in the fucking for morning cleanup, they're asking, I'm like, yeah, that dude, Saw him grab granola bar the other day and try to hide it in his pack. So then he got like thrashed even more and shit. So it was like this weird, like fucking like sabotage going on both ways. Yeah. Like you got, cause you're, you know, you're a platoon, but you're split into, you know, four squads and each squad has a squad leader. How to like compare it. So it's almost like the, like a house mom or something, right? Like he's making sure all the ducks follow and whatnot, like make sure everyone's doing their shit breaks them into teams of four and assigns team leaders. It's almost like this little managerial system, right? Yeah, it's, there's a hierarchy to it. Yeah. Yeah, boot camp was interesting because I tried to wallflower as much as possible because you're constantly, like, in their office, in the presence of the senior drill instructor all the time. Like, they can't not help but know who you are, right? And keeping their eye on you, seeing what you're up to as well. So it's just like, trying to wallflower, but no matter like what you do, you're always going to get fucking looked at and examined right yeah it seems it seems impossible when you're in that situation so moving past then um what were you assigned to and like were you deployed and and all of that yeah so i got sent to lejeune over in north carolina which is i didn't know apparently like if you're coming from the midwest you can pick like hey i want to go west coast or east coast but i never because hmm. you're kind of like on this line whereas like if you're closer to the east coast they just automatically send you to paris island so I don't know if maybe just that quota got filled up real quick and that choice wasn't available anymore. How did I know I would have gone to California? Because like North Carolina in itself isn't bad, right? I don't have anything against the state, but right around military bases, there's like all them skeezy motherfuckers come in there, right? And set up businesses trying to get like the most they can milk out of the guys that are like young, dumb and got money, you know, from the government for the first time. So like everyone's, oh, dude. So like this stereotypical car everyone gets is like a Mustang, but you don't realize it till you have one. And then you're looking around like, wow, like all the guys, it's, it's like, <laughs> everyone has a Mustang. Yeah. 
<laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've never I've actually never heard that part of it before. There's there's people that like take take advantage of, of uh of the enlisted guys. Oh yeah. I mean you got these kids coming from nothing, right? Because again, you got that that lure of like, yo, we'll pay for your college. You got a lot of people that, you know, they can't afford it. Family can't afford it. So this is like, oh, I just do four years, whatever the fuck you tell me. That's not too long. I can do that. And at least get a bachelor's out of it, right? And I don't know about you, but like going through school, it's like, oh, you can't get a job unless you have a fucking degree. That's what they always told me. Yep. Yep. North Carolina, like fucking Jacksonville. It's just that area. Like you can just drive through it and you can pick up right on it. Like, ugh, it's a skeezy. Yeah, dude. There's so many... Like, I could sit here literally all day and just tell you just fucking off-the-wall stories from just that four years. It was, like, the most interesting <laughs> experience for me coming from, like, a fairly uh, sheltered growing up. Huh, and you kind of get thrown to the wolves. You, well, you had you had been to that summer camp, but what you were going through was nothing like summer camp, you know? Oh, no, they don't got, like, hookers trying to pick you up at summer camp, you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, yeah. I'd never, I'd never even experienced that in my life. Like, I grew up in some like pretty ghetto areas, but like, my mom always pretty much kept me inside and away from all of that. So I mm-hmm. never really like I knew of it, but never like saw it firsthand. So it was just always the weirdest experience for me when you're in the military. And like, I'll give you one example. So I just turned 19, and I was in SOI, which is a School of Infantry. And they gave us a 96, which is like four days off, because uh, 96 hours is why it's called a 96, just for some background. Um, right, okay. So they give us this 96, and like, don't get any tattoos. You know, you got defense next week. We don't want, or yeah, defense week coming up. We don't want them getting infected and all this other crap. And me, it's like, nah, dude, I'm, I'm hardcore infantry. I'm, you know, badass. I'm getting me a tattoo, you know? So the first thing we do is we get like <laughs> hotel room in um wilmington me and my buddy and then we get shit face catch a cab down to this tattoo place and i get this freaking uh tattoo on my forearm and then we're like yeah i'll get drunk and go out to the strip club like never been to a strip club like it's almost (laughs) like this rite of passage so like my first experience was was weird because i mean you're in the military you're just drunk all the time i mean at least i was i don't know Hmm. Maybe my unit was just really heavy on it, but it's like you get off work, you start drinking, you sleep for a couple hours, and then you go puke it out at PT and eat breakfast, right? <laughs> but yeah, so we were like out there and we were in the parking lot where we called the cab to take us to the strip club and we're waiting a good like 15 minutes and it normally doesn't take this long for the cabs to show up. And my buddy's friend who was from a different unit comes running up and he's like, yo, these two chicks will give us a ride to Crazy Horse. And I was like all right, how much? And she's like, they only said five bucks, which was like way cheaper than the freaking cab. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm down with this. And so we start, and they were like parked off down the parking lot. Like I didn't see them from where it was. So we're like walking mm. through the parking lot and it's like this freaking Dodge Intrepid. It was like a 96 or something. Yep. And the paint on the top was all like chipped off down the stair, bare steel. Okay. And like, it's this, big chick driving like not like uh fat or anything but like stocky like look like a like a female version of your stereotypical bouncer right okay and then there's this really really skinny chick in the back and she's like are you guys you know going to have a good time i was like yeah we're going to strip club like i'm all drunk and excited i was like it's my birthday 
And she's like, all right, we'll get in the back. We'll take you there. And I was like, all right. And I hop in <laughs> and my buddy goes to hop in the middle with me, like next to me in the back seat. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And she gets between me and him. And then his friend sits up in the passenger seat. Mm. So we pull off and we start getting on the highway. And she just looks to my buddy. She's like, so you want me to suck your dick? And I'm just, <laughs> oh, at this no. point just like, what? Like, <laughs> like out of left field for me, like, well, this took a weird turn. Like, what? I just thought we were just getting a ride. You know, I wasn't trying to judge your book by his cover, trying to be all, you know, nice and shit. Yeah. But, but they're just trying just, to make a little money on the side, giving people rides to the strip club. I mean, yeah, like whatever, five bucks. Like, I don't know. I used to do that back home. Maybe it's the same out here. <laughs> I was just, you know, just an innocent snowflake, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> you never, this is the first time you've ever seen this happen. So, yeah. And I'm know? thinking, like, it, it's always in the movies, right? They're standing on the corner, like, hollering and stuff. And I was just like, this is new. <laughs> I'm just like, this This is kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep an eye on this. And my buddy's like, no, 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 I got a girlfriend, but it's my buddy's birthday. And she like swivels over to me and oh. just grabs me. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm engaged. Can't really do that. Nah, like, I'm good. Thank you. I'm really like trying to just beg off. Jeez, your friends are threw you under the bus, though. I mean, yeah. And so his friend up front turns around and is like, how much? Like 50 bucks? And I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? Like... <laughs> I just want to go to the strip club, bro. Like, so she's like, laughs it off. She's like, oh, it's not that expensive. It was like 25 bucks or something. And I'm sitting in my mind like, really? Only 25 bucks for a blowjob? It does seem fairly cheap and economic. But <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm noticing that we're driving the opposite way to Crazy Horse by all oh. the interstate signs. And I'm like, this is fucking hella sketch. Like, just mm. like something's not sitting right. And so... She's like, yeah, yeah, pull over and you can get in the back and your friend can sit up front and I'll suck your dick. I'm just like, this is not fucking happening right now. Oh. Like, what the fuck? And so I had, you know, those old like Nextel uh, flip phones they had back yep. in the day, the cell phones. You know how you could hit it on the side and it would make it beep and sound like your phone's ringing? Uh-huh. So I did that on my phone and I whip it out and I'm like, oh, oh, you're lying, like acting like it's my buddy calling me. You're locked out of the hotel. Oh, yeah, I can still see it from the highway. You know, we'll just hop out right now. We're already pulled over, and I'll let you in, bro. It'll be good. It'll be good. And I, like, hang up. And I was like, look, love to stay. Thanks for, like, half a ride. But, like, my hotel is just right across over there. My buddy's locked out, so I got I got to let him in. And they're, like, trying to keep me in this car. Like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll just we'll drive you back. And I was like, no, nah, it's good. Because I'm like, I don't want these fucking people to know where I'm at. Like, this is already sketch as fuck. And uh, so, like, I get out, and I'm like, you know, waving to my buddy, like, come on, bro, get your friend, look the fuck out of here. And like, he bounce, jumps out and the driver's still trying to get us to like, get back in the car and shit. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I'll just hop the fence. It's like cars are zooming by at like freaking 70, <laughs> 75, like, bailing out of this car on the side of the highway. Like it's about to explode. <laughs> and this dude's just like, no, you guys go ahead. I really want my dick sucked. And just like Jesus. hops in all hunky dory in the back. And meanwhile, the driver's still like, get in the car, get in the car. And I'm like, no. And I hop over and she like swoops around and tries to follow us back. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, so we like, I just bought these fucking new jeans for my birthday. And, you know, you got this money. You ain't got no one to tell you that you can't blow $80 on a pair of jeans. It's not really smart. So I got like these brand new $80 jeans. I'm thinking I'm looking Gucci for the strip club. <laughs> and I go to hop over this fence. It's got barbed wire and just blows the whole crotch out, catching it. Oh, and it's like, of course, 
then I'm wading through this like semi marshy swampy area and like get up to the fucking hotel, come through the front door, looking straight like a bum dude, like covered in mud, clothes are all ripped up. And she's just looking at me like I'm like, what the fuck is this? And what is it? I'm like, what's up? And I get in the elevator and just go to my room. Oh my god. And then like the weekend progresses, some other crazy stuff happens, but those are like other stories. Um, but to kind of tie up that story, so we get back after the '96, and like we we get done with formation, and I'm like, hey Carter, whatever like happened to your boy? Kind of needs some closure on like, did he like? I'm just curious at this point because that was just fucking crazy, right? He's like, I don't know, dude. He's he hasn't checked in for formation. He's UA right now, which is uh, mm-hmm. unauthorized absence. And so I was like, oh shit. So come to find out, apparently they drove him down to some shady area. He got like, as he was getting his, you know, his, what he paid for, yep. like they, at the end, dropped him off in this really shady neighborhood and he ended up getting mugged and then uh, had a little bit of a burn when he got back. Cause it took him a while to get out cause he didn't know where he was. So he was like a day late to formation. Oh no. Yeah. And then he's complaining about some burning. So not on top of freaking getting mugged, <laughs> he basically paid 25 bucks for a freaking case of hurt. And it's just oh like, my God. I just think you guys, shit. I think you guys made the right choice. Right. But, oh. uh, I mean, I don't understand how you could not see that was just a, like a trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never seen uh, someone so intent to make $5 getting something to a strip club. <laughs> I'm guessing that you didn't get in the vehicle with uh with two ladies who were running a you know like a like a gray market uh taxi service after that. Oh god no. Like the only reason I trust Uber is because they charge more than five dollars, so it's gotta yeah. be legit, right? <laughs> sure. Uh <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I mean you're you've got like just a million stories from that time in your life. And I'm sure that that experience, like what did you take from that whole experience that you like immediately applied to your civilian life afterwards? So I got out in like 2010 and Michigan was pretty like still economically unstable as far as like jobs and everything. Right. Like there wasn't a lot of work to find unless you wanted to be flipping burgers. Right. So I was like, all right, well I'm going to go to school because they're, basically giving me like freaking money for rent and all that and paying for my tuition. So like, why would I not? And then I can spend that four years, you know, figuring out what I want to do. So I was talking to my mom about it and I was for some reason, I was like, I'm thinking psychology. I just think I can, I can do some really good stuff there. Uh, Like it's interesting. Like for some reason, just the, the abnormal psychology kind of stuff you know like dealing with schizophrenia and all that is just interesting right because it's so different from the norm and growing up I wasn't heavily exposed to a lot of that behavior so like as I came across it kind of in my travels it always just was like oh this is fucking like really interesting I kind of just want to like sit here and unravel and poke at this Mm. and see what all this kind of you know information out is out there and so I was kind of about to, you know, start looking for a school kind of around that. And my mom's like, well, you like video games. Why don't you just, you know, go to video game school? Like, really? Yeah. And I was like, mom, there's not video game school. She's like, it's on the internet. I, I guarantee you can find something like that. And I'm like, all right, hold on. And I'm like, Ooh, and sure shit, like full set university, you know, teach you like games. And they did like huh. 
video recording, music recording. Like they had the whole suite. Like you want to work in movies? We got classes for you. You want to fucking be a rap artist? We got classes for you. And like the education there was legit. It was just, it's still a for-profit school, right? Like my buddy who went there got out with like $132,000 to pay off on student loans. Holy shit. For a two-year degree. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Like- I got out even with the GI bill and yellow ribbon and all. So, cause that gives you a little bit of extra money. I still had like 32,000, which is nothing compared to what he had. But yeah, yeah, I went there and I was like, I remember calling them. I was they're like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to work in design. Cause I'm seeing you have the masters in design and like dumb grunt coming out of <laughs> the military and not ever even thinking about college till after I got out. I wasn't like, I never, I didn't pay attention to high school. So like, how the degree program progressed. Like I never understood that. And like, well, you got to get your bachelor's first. And I was like, (laughs) okay, well, yeah, let's get my bachelor's in, in design. Like, well, we only have a master's. You have to either take programming or art. And then once you finish that bachelor's, you can take that master's class or course. And I was like, okay, well, and they're like, so do you like numbers or do you like drawing more? And I was like, I definitely love doodling over numbers. They're like, great, we'll sign you up for art. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Jesus. This happened was, like, that's a I pretty basic question. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a for-profit school. Like, not to, not to try to devalue what they teach because they have right. legit, like, industry people. But as far as on the, the business side of things, oh yeah, in the end, it's still a for-profit they, school. Right? The, if, if you're interested at all, they want to sell it. Right. right. Yeah, like they don't. They don't care. They're not, they're not trying to. They're not trying to scare you away. They're trying to draw you in. So yes, yeah. Like, hey, buddy, you like numbers, or you like? Do you like drawn pictures? <laughs> like this isn't no Ivy League where they're like, all right, we only have so many slots. You know, we got re- world renowned motherfuckers. No. Yeah, no, I've I've heard a lot of people that that get degrees from there end up getting a decent job. So I mean, it wasn't oh, yeah. a bad choice. No, I mean it's it's definitely one of the better schools uh, for that kind of specialized schools for yeah for what you were what you ended up doing oh yeah like a lot of guys went to um that graduated like even my roommate was or not roommate uh my buddy that I was in classes with he ended up working for crap it's the warner brothers studio that did lord of the rings online okay anyways so yeah so then i go <laughs> for that and now i like graduate with this degree in fucking video game art right which is basically like it's a computer science degree but heavily focused on like you know working in 3d software programs sure so i'm like applying for jobs and everything and when i was in school i'd stumbled on twitch trying to watch e3 or looking for like e3 footage that was streaming on the internet while i was in class and so when i got out at the end of that degree program you spend the last five months um, teamed up with some people that took the programming classes and you make a video game in five months from scratch like you don't Hmm. start off with unreal or anything like they build the engine you give them the art they're making like shaders and all this stuff but it's five months. It's like going in there, you're like, yeah, we're going to make this badass game. It's like, no, dude, you got five months. <laughs> like, please try to keep it simple. It's an but, extended you know, game jam, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, shit, there was times we were pulling like 24 hours of like we get kicked out of the, because they'd only have it open from like the latest would be like 9 p.m. And so then we'd sneak into the computer labs and keep working and stuff. Oh, shit. So sure. like we, we poured time into that. And one of the programmers started an AMA about it on Reddit and got like a lot of people interested on just like the process we went through and the game we whipped up, which was pretty much like a uh, cheap dead space 
tight cam, huh. right? Third person, you know, same kind of camera setup, you know, running through this sci-fi area with stuff popping through vents. It was just kind of like an homage to Dead Space, basically. Okay. Sounds badass, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but like the graphics, I mean, this was like 2010. It was good for a five-month project. I'll give it that. But like there's still aspects of me, like when I look back at the art stuff I did there, I was like, oh, man. Ooh, I wish I could have like <laughs> go back and fix some of those things. With, like right. Pick up. Well, that's just, that's just like sort of the, is it sort of like the perfectionism that you have when you're working with art, right? Like you always can iterate and make it better. Oh yeah. And just the fact, I mean, at least for me, I'm always sitting there going like, I could see someone looking at this and then just ripping it apart. And like, if I was ripping this apart, this is where I'd rip it apart. And I'd start trying to like address those Uh areas, but it becomes like, like this knot you're trying to entangle. Right. Sure. you get frustrated and you're like really just going at it, but you're just making it worse. Like there's still that tendency in art as well. So it's like, you definitely want to be like in the right state of mind as you're going in to fix these things. Oh my God. I don't even know if it's still be at here, but like it was like top <laughs> of the indie DB for a while. So we oh, were like interesting. cheesing on that. Cause it got like a lot of Reddit attention. People were looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I can't remember his name because it's been so long and I feel horrible because he's kind of the guy that got me into Twitch. He used to do his own little show on Twitch where he'd like focus on indie games and stuff. This is back hmm. in, again, 2000, 2012 at this point. Yeah. So so like playing different games and kind of giving him a little first impressions and stuff like that? Yeah. Like he'd find these indie games that people put on IndieDB or, you know, stuff that was on IndieDB or IndieDB that was blowing up. And he kind of tried to get the people that worked on it and talk and kind of have like a podcast thing on Twitch. Interesting. That's a little little ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. So he kind of got me into the streaming and was explaining a lot of it. And I was like, this is a really cool platform. And then DayZ came out. I saw it on, oh, was it? Do you know who Mike B, a.k.a. Phony is? Doesn't sound familiar, but back before Shizzle was on Twitch, uh, Mike, AKB Phony, would do like MMO report stuff. And I want to say he was working with Curse for a little bit, doing video reviews, stuff like that. But I remember stumbling on a video of Mike B and Shizzle playing DayZ. And I was like, dude, that looks hella fun. And so I got the game and I started playing it and I was just blown away at how complex it was right like yeah, never man. played an army sim to that level and i'm just like holy crap there's a lot of like freaking controls to keep track of here yeah for one so then i hop back on twitch because i'm like i'm gonna find other people playing this to see kind of like what's the loop right and then i stumbled on omnikai and from there it just sucked me in right i think yeah. i was doing like an internship for the school trying to like find a job in the meantime and then he was like so chill. He's just pretty much like, yeah, you're interning for me. Just go work on some project that makes you happy and don't bother me. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. this is the best internship ever. That's pretty amazing. Granted, it would have been nicer to learn a bunch of shit, but I think I was so sucked into Twitch at that point. It was just like, well, I mean, I guess it's helping me, you know, cause I was getting, as long as you're in the internship, you could extend. All right. I got to kind of step back a little bit. So okay. with the, um, the GI bill, you get like four years to do your bachelor's. What well, full sale? They had a two-year program, so I knocked my bachelor's out in two years. Mm. But I still could utilize those other two years of the GI Bill to start something else. And originally, I think I was going to start working on the master's of design, but I kind of got sucked into this internship of like, well, maybe I'm not sure. Maybe I'll just stay in art. This isn't so bad. And 
So while I was kind of like figuring out what to do there, I was like, all right, I'll do this internship because I'll still get living expenses from the GI Bill. So like my rent will be covered in utilities and stuff like that. And it kind of gives me some time to sort out what I want to do. Well, that's when I got sucked into Daisy and Twitch. And it was like, you know, I'd be watching Kai and then he'd be like, oh, you know, hop in the game and we'd be playing together and we'd be up for like fucking almost 24 hours playing this game. Like, I swear to God, I slept probably like five hours. It would be like, wake up, eat something, hop on, we'd all start playing. (laughs) And then it'd be late as fuck. We'd go to sleep for five hours and just rinse and repeat. And this was like the heyday of the mod days. Yeah. Was this like 2012 around like June, May, June, July that time? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So who else was in that group? So it was me, Kai, Tommy the Gunner. Yep. I, I know that name um death snake i don't know if you're familiar with him i don't think so hicks uh soma okay the ogs basically yeah because it was like back then kai was second to lyric at that point like yep i think summit was still doing like csgo so yeah. like i don't even think i knew about him because i was like so just in <laughs> just that daisy portion of it. like i didn't give a fuck about the rest of twitch like whatever there was a time when when summit was trying to learn daisy mod he was like asking the chat and you know i was answering questions in his chat about daisy mod i had this random anecdote about that but yeah he wasn't he wasn't too committed to it let's say he was like he was kind of experimenting with it at the time i think like the second biggest dude that i knew of um Fuck, I can't remember his name. He's like a StarCraft 2 dude. Oh, man, I, re- I, I could have swore it started with an S. But he got into Daisy Mod a little bit, and it was funny watching some of just the shenanigans he would do. You realize kind of how Twitch is this sort of dynamic thing. It was it was in its infancy still, you know, and, and you realize it wasn't... There was the side of people that were really good at games, and there were other people who were just trying to make content by having fun and having a laugh at at how bad they were at things or whatever it was it, it was all, it was about the personalities right more so than the gameplay is what how it uh how it ended up or at least around that time yeah oh the dude's name do you know who destiny is yes that's the guy oh uh, really yeah. yeah okay yeah uh, basically everybody was playing daisy mod at that time daisy oh was, yeah daisy was like the biggest thing on twitch that year more or less. I mean, oh, well, I guess World of Warcraft was still kicking. Yeah, it was uh, between in, in World of Warcraft and Daisy. Yeah, it was it was the biggest up and coming game. Let's just say that. And it was just oh, a mod. Yeah. It was just a mod. So, you know, I think that's what blew my mind, because like, you know, coming out of school and wanting to get a job, I was like, well, maybe I should hit up this dude and see if, you know, I can get out and help him with this project back before I really knew who Dean Hall was. Right. Yeah. And by the time like that concept even hit me, cause it was like, I'd been sucked into playing it so much. Like they were already starting up on that standalone and everything with Bohemia. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it just took me cause of just like all the different, just little stuff that would just make these unique moments. Right. Like I remember me and Brian got those satchel charges. Yeah. And like we had like Kai up on the hill in Electro and Tommy uh, Death Snake was with us. And we're up on this hill and then me and Brian moved down. You know the Sniper Hill in Electro that looked the oh, fire yeah. station? So they're up oh, there yeah. like watching it, right? And me and Brian sneak down and take the central charge and put it at the very top where everyone would go to look for pistols. <laughs> and so you couldn't get Wait, are, are we talking about the, the, the at the firehouse? Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. At the very top of this, uh, the ladder you would yeah. climb up. 
And so like me and Brian snuck back and we're hiding in these bushes because we couldn't get too far. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to trigger the satchel charge. And so like we're waiting for them to tell us when to blow it. And so you just like the the clip that was floating around. It's Brian's probably got it. He always keeps track of that stuff. But it's like, okay. looking through Kai's scope and you see this dude like, go up to the top and look down. And then just Brian blows, <laughs> just blows this guy to pieces. And the biggest joke for a while was like, oh, look, a backpack. And <laughs> yeah, because couldn't you kind of hide the satchels underneath an object if you oh, dropped yeah. it or something? Yeah. It was just great. Like just the little stuff yeah. like that that you couldn't do in any other game, right? Yeah. Oh, man, the sandbox games, at least in like, there was not like a sandbox mill sim. The concept of like the, a survival game like that, just if it existed, it certainly didn't hit the masses. That's for sure. Oh, not yeah, in that, not in the world of mill sim anyway, right? Yeah, no. In zombies and, and all that stuff. I didn't even know yeah. about Arma until Daisy. Like had no clue it even existed. Yeah. I mean, freaking the, the combined operations became one of the top selling games on Steam for that oh. year. <laughs> <laughs> Bohemia loved it, obviously. Oh, yeah. How could you yeah. not, man? Yeah, that was their bread and butter. So you kind of you had this like established crew that you played with for a while, and then somebody somebody came up with the idea to have this event, right? This like last man standing event. I kind of know that uh, there were a couple couple guys that that came up with the idea, and you were they were just guys that that you had that you had been playing with, right? And that's and the idea just came came out of uh, inspiration from well. Let me know because I, I I read a little bit about it, but I think it came from from the movie, The Hunger Games, right? And and then there was like a there was like a Minecraft game mode that was inspired by that too. Or so from what I remember, Jordan, this was like when Hunger Games it just came Soma, out. So, right? Yeah, Soma. Um, Hunger Games was really big at the time, and Soma was kind of like spitballing this idea to kind of do something similar in Daisy because the setting was just perfect for it. And I remember Brian and Kai really liked the idea. And at the time, I was like, yeah, it'd be dope. But, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull it off. Because I'd never, like, I don't think it had set in at that point the kind of reach that Twitch was pulling in. Of, mm-hmm. Like, how many people would actually be interested in doing this kind of event. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember we were talking about it. And Kai was saying stuff about how someone he was talking to someone through Bohemia and they were going to like help us out with the idea. And I was like, wow, this is really going somewhere. And I don't know if there just was no follow up or if maybe communications had gotten crossed and, you know, Kai had gotten some other idea of what was actually promised. But it ended up like we were like really close to when we were supposed to do this thing and Kai had been promoting it. And so we had all these people interested and we didn't really have any of the actual aspects constructed. So Brian like whips this thing up on his own, like all of the work for the first um, hunger game. We call it hunger games. The first yep. one hunger game, hunger games with a Z at the end. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> because, because the game, the game or the, the mod that's based on is day Z with a Z at the end. Yep. Right. So hunger games. Yeah. And it just freaking was huge, right? Like, I don't even remember the numbers, but I remember even for Twitch at that time, it was like number one most viewed at that time. Yeah. Like, I think we were beating out like CSGO at one point because it was like always <laughs> like CSGO and WoW were like the two big most viewed at that time. Yeah. With the event, it just got so many people interested, right? Because you had all the top DayZ streamers were involved in it. Mm-hmm. So just all of those numbers combined just 
brought Daisy to the top during that whole event. And it was just, it was crazy because like we were in it. And it was funny because like looking back at it, normally when you're putting an event together, right, you're not also participating in the event. <laughs> but because yeah. it was the first one and it sounded so cool, like all of us wanted to be involved. <laughs> And I just remember like, dude, this is so dope. And it's like, I feel bad for Brian because he's having to like do all the server stuff and everything. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I know he'd really want to do this. But. Yeah, no, it was it was kind of his baby, right? He was uh he was fully invested in making this uh oh yeah making this successful. Yeah, he grasped on real early. I think he was like the first ones to really see the potential with it. Cause even I wasn't, I was like, this is cool, but I didn't see I wasn't seeing as far down the road as he was. Like hmm of just the potential and what you could do with this. We kept doing more and it was like hella stressful, but like at the end oh of it, you just felt like you just wrangled a boar with your bare hands. <laughs> it's insane, man. So I'm going to give a little bit of context from my, from my memory of it. Right. So mm. survivor games is really the first battle Royale when it comes to like in the mill sim uh, world. Right. Right. It was, I think it like 40 players, so you'd have a so you'd have a qualifier, right? And you'd have all the guys in the server would. It's different than battle royale in a way because you, you'd be all lined up in a row, and it was highly controlled by admins. There was really not much automated about it. It was <laughs> it, it was it was this event. It kind of had this uh, even a narrative to it, right? You start in one zone, and it was like a nesting doll kind of. You'd yep. be like a lo- a big zone, and then be shrinking zones, and then eventually you'd have like a final showdown to see who came out on top, and then. Through the qualifiers, a certain amount of people would move on to like what, like a semifinal? No, no, no. It was broken up into the qualifier and then okay. the invitational. So, oh, okay, gotcha. You'd have the invitational is you know we'd invite um, you know top day Z streamers. It's kind of like yeah. okay, you guys are obviously the tops in yeah. Twitch. Like who's better? And that's kind of how it originally started because it was like a bunch of us talking shit of like, oh, bro, if I ever went against you, I'd fucking take, you know, our crew would take your crew <laughs> out. And that kind of transition in Survivor games where it's like, all right, well, we got this platform now. Let's see who's who's really yeah. the top dog in DayZ. And then obviously other people in the community wanted to get involved. And it's like, well, you got limited slots. So how can we make this kind of fair to give other players a chance to, you know, compete in this thing that obviously everyone is enjoying based on, you know, the numbers we're looking at viewership wise. Mm-hmm. So not only was it a chance to prove your skills, but also participate in this huge event with kind of like the top streamers that you watch yeah. all the time. Right. So you get to kind of, you know, play with them as well. So it, yeah. And improve your skills and have that, the, the bragging rights of being, right. you know, in the tops. Yeah, and I, I was actually in one of those qualifiers. I I looked back into it. I think I was in the uh, the fifth one, the fifth uh, Survivor Games is the one I got. Uh, I I actually went back into the archives and I found I found the forum, oh, <laughs> like shit. where where I put my application in, but it wasn't archived to where I could read it. Yeah, I saw Thoglore was in there too. Yep. I saw his application. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, and that's how I met you is you contacted me on Skype about like being in this qualifier and all this. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. You know, uh, that was that was one of the coolest parts for me with Survivor Games, because I was a very small streamer and, and you guys gave a chance to up and coming content creators who were really passionate about Daisy and just wanted to be involved in any way we could with this event because it was like the biggest thing. That's like getting called up to the big leagues, being in survivor games, you know, everybody, everybody in our community 
like all the streamers I knew, we all wanted to be involved. It's funny because like I think the way Dean put it was like it's pretty much like the Super Bowl of Daisy, right? Where everyone yeah. is like getting ready, geared up for the freaking event, all the streams of people training and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was super nervous, man. I uh <laughs> I actually made it to the um I made it past the qualifier, but I was pretty trash. So <laughs> like oh, I didn't have dude. I, it's I didn't really have anything to prove, but it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. It's like any other game with that like small aspect of RNG to it, right? You don't know if yeah. you're gonna run into the spot that has the best loot. So you're kind of just like stuck with what you find. And if yeah. someone happens to find a shotgun at right off the bat and you're the house next over and you're like, crap, I just got a can opener, like <laughs> you could be the best player and you're just screwed, right? There's nothing much you yeah. can do about it. Yeah, I guess I guess people soon found that out when it comes to um, making it a competition to where you can't just like respawn on the coast and make it back and get revenge. You got one life and in a last man standing type of thing, man, you do have to count on RNG. So there was a lot of uh, the spectators of the game who became sort of armchair admins and like, Oh, the admins, you know, they completely messed up that interaction and like, Oh, you know, all these bugs that happened and blah, blah, blah. Everyone went back and forth about like the, the person that they were rooting for, whoever it was, they thought they got screwed over or whatever, but from my view, man, you guys did it. I mean, you worked your asses off to, to make these events happen and you made it. Yeah, you made it into something that obviously was highly entertaining. The uh, the last Survivor Games, I think, hit and it was a record at the time, like 62,000 viewers. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. And then, you know, Dean Hall was having uh, the, the guy who made Daisy. He's having like parties at his place to watch the survivor games every time it was on you know it's like yeah, dude, yeah he's way into it it was like fun looking back at it like it was hella stressful just because like one it's like you, it, no one's really under any obligation so anyone could just at any moment like you know what i'm just done i'm gonna bounce like yeah and then you're like fuck what i gotta carry your workload or like crap now we're a dude short do we have anyone in reserve so it was always trying to keep things organized like look we're full right now but we'd like to have you participate if someone drops out and there was like a lot of last minute changes like throughout the history of it of like you know something would come up someone's you know family member would get sick and so you don't realize like all the work that actually went into it from the outside because there's not all these edge cases right that you're considering because you don't have to but like nope. on our end it's like all oh, this stress like all right you got that aspect <laughs> covered yeah yeah we're good here okay what about this is loot placed like we had to manually go out there and place loot for these oh, events fuck. <laughs> we it was like a handcrafted experience that's that's a great way to put it Whereas now, like what Battle Royale became and in, in the different mods and that it became it was this like repeatable game mode that was all automated. You know, the loot just kind of automatically shit out on the ground and like everything was already prepared. But for you guys, there was like a story behind it. You had these different zones that people have to go to and the admins were highly involved well, beforehand and during the event, too. And uh, eventually you had people like shout casting it like giving commentary for it <laughs> yo you know that was pretty crazy like we had smack doing commentary smack and calendale yep jam jar and mr b damn i got to work with some really dope people when i was working on that yeah yeah it was the heyday of 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 the mod for sure you know and and you did a little bit of streaming back then too you were uh streaming on twitch here and there or consistently i don't i don't i don't really know because Honestly, I, I watched some of your stream here and there, but I wasn't like, I didn't really n- know you until 
I ended up, like I said earlier, in that campaign, uh, that in, in Thoglor's campaign. So in D&D, that is. Yeah, like, because I was also, like, I think pretty late night focused as well back in the okay. day. So that makes it wasn't sense. like I was pulling in, you know, the zombie guys on late shift and everything. <laughs> the, the European crowd, the too. Yeah. Well, because it just kind of naturally, like, fell into that time zone when I started playing with Kai and Brian and Soma, we just, Brian was West Coast, Kai was West Coast, Soma was West Coast. And I was like, I think the only East Coaster. And then like Tommy was fucking Ireland, whatever time zone that fucking Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was like this weird, I don't know how the hell we made it work to where we were pretty much on whenever Kai. Sacrifice died. your sleep. Oh, God. Yeah. I was like, I don't think I saw sunlight for a good year. I think I was pretty much living up the night. You wouldn't trade that time for anything, I'm sure, because that experience that you have in Daisy Mod, everyone always talks about it. There hasn't really been a replacement for it for me. I mean, what other game can you go get a canteen, fill it full of bleach, and offer it to someone as water, and then not replacing <laughs> it and poisoning themselves, right? Like, yeah. Just the stuff you could get up to. Like, we'd kidnap people, like, take their blood. And then the blood type stuff came into play. And so then we like evolved from blood pirates to we're now stealing these people's blood, testing what it is, kidnapping people, putting the wrong blood into them, and then sending them <laughs> off to like go wander down the street till they fall over dead. Dude, this is like just the stuff you could pull off that like you would not see mm. in any game or even think about to do until you're just like, oh, wow. It, like how far did they take this design? <laughs> Damn, the realism. I mean, it was just every day was a different adventure, right? Oh, And yeah. uh, you just never knew. Never knew what would happen. I think it was, it was a lot of fun to do kind of like, not profiling, but just behavioral experiments, right? Jam did the one where like he was, you know, handcuffed and he'd have someone in Overwatch, you know, hidden, but he'd have a gun in front of him with one bullet and see like how many people would actually try to save him or just pick up the gun and shoot him, right? <laughs> damn and like that stuff wow man you put like there was some thought involved like i would have never thought to do that but like because you're just playing a game where i'm gonna loot up shoot and like i think that's <laughs> what kept the me interested in it so long was just i would find new things to do like first it was just kind of looter shooter and mm. then you know some social experiments you know just what could i do in this situation and how would people react like i think yeah. i ran around cherno and just like backpack like the child's briefcase and my underwear and some wellies acting like some little kid looking for his brother who was supposed to help him play <laughs> the game. And then someone would take me under their wing and I would play with him for like an hour or two, right. To earn that trust because I don't have any like big guns on me. I don't, I'm like going and fetching this guy cans of beans and bringing them back. And then like two hours later, I bring him the beans after I'd finally found a magazine for a 1911, but like, here you should eat this. And he's like locked in the animation. And I would just pull out the 1911 and, you know, like trust no one and pull the trigger. And like, oh. how do you walk? Like what do you, on the other end, I'd always wonder like, how do you walk away from that play session of like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like we built this bond for two hours. And then like that stuff was always fascinating to me. You can't really get mad at that point. <laughs> Okay. No, because it's like you're there for the experience of just like yeah. there is no it's like if our system went completely into anarchy. Right. And there was no law. There was no one to keep things in order. Like, how would people behave? That's really kind of that's really kind of how how the whole mod was conceived. Really, it was kind of like a social experiment in a way. 
to see like whether people would would be a bandit or a hero i guess were the two like archetypes that people pointed to when you talk about daisy and at least in the beginning right people who would be friendly or or not friendly right it's funny to think back to of like how it slowly starts to jade your play style yeah you think back on that like on like how you first played the game until like a few months in of like you just almost become like this completely different person in your play style yeah you know i the first group that i played with were already a little bit hardened you know Mm -hmm. but for me like i didn't really know i would get i would get kind of complacent after nothing would happen for a while so if a pvp situation occurred i wouldn't really even know how to uh like defend myself in a way because i was still like getting used to the controls i'd be like oh i got this i guess i'll just run just run you know but um but yeah definitely that happens in in other games too there's sort of like the uh everyone's new to the game and and trying to figure it out and then you know so people are a little bit more friendly and trying to help each other figure out figure things out along the way it's not even necessarily role play a month later it's just shoot on site everybody's just shoot on site oh yeah like i mean there's games there's games like rust that are just like shoot on site always but so well going back to to uh talking about you know role play in games what did you have a background playing D D when you were younger so like i grew up and my mom was like super religious okay and, like growing up you know dungeons and dragons was like the gateway to fucking hell <laughs> same <laughs> like, with my stepmom dude same uh, thing and it was, we had we had a cousin right mm-hmm. and he played he played dnd he was like you know 20 or something at the time my stepmom she she made us pray for him <laughs> Yo. because he was turning to the, anyway go ahead oh no it's just like man sometimes i look back i had a really like just off the wall childhood of just like you look back like what the fuck family was just like for some reason it was like oh you're it's basically practicing witchcraft or something yeah didn't know anything about it so i just assumed satanic you know, panic yeah, people were in basements drawing pentagrams and spilling goat's blood everywhere or something um i didn't even get exposed to it until college when i was going to full sale it was like my first okay. time D uh, D&D. And I didn't really like understand the concept of role play, really. I just was like, this is what I'm doing, right? I didn't try to like <laughs> be my character. I didn't even honestly think DayZ was the first game to kind of get me. Was it DayZ or did I didn't I didn't get into RP until I started playing games with Jam. I think that was okay. like I'd I'd fuck around a little bit in Daisy, but it wasn't like anything serious. It was just me being goofy. And then playing he, he took a different approach to his immersion in Daisy. Like he'd always try to approach it from like I'm the character, right? Like I'm gonna play this what would typically be an NPC role in any other game. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting because at that point for me, Daisy was kind of becoming this really rinse repeat rude of gear up and then go look for pvp so i was kind of starting to get burnt out and that kind of immersed me even further into the game almost made it a whole new experience and like honestly it'd be cool to see more pv or rp focus game kind of like you know what was that one they were just came out earlier this year it kind of mm. got on a rough start at like life or something was identity I mean, rpg yeah, identity, Is that the one yeah. About? yeah. Like something like that, I think would be cool to see, like actually get off its feet, right? Mm-hmm. And have a kind of support to actually where your designs are based around, you know, providing players with tools to engage in interesting RP, like, you know, custom yeah. animations to start. Like you kind of see, in, have, 
have you been keeping up with Star Citizen at all? Yeah, a little bit. Have you seen the like where the camera is tracking your facial mo- movement? So when you're talking, like your character's mouse opening and everything. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. That's wild. Yeah, like it'll it, it's like a really rough facial capture, but it kind of like your eyes will like if you open up water your character's eyes. It's a little buggy because it's obviously like alpha tech, right? But it's like this is the kind of stuff that's just gonna take that immersion level to a whole new high. In my opinion, huh. I'm like, is it that or, or or is it VR or, it, or augmented reality or something? You know, I think there's still some technical hurdles and limitations in VR, yeah. especially like on the development side. Yeah, um, but it's it's kind of like an arms race to see who can come up with the best software for it, right? Yeah, I think it, it, in this current stage right now, PC still has a slightly up, upper hand as far as being able to iterate quicker. Isn't it? Isn't it also that making video games is a business, and there isn't really that much money to be made in VR games? So putting a lot of resources into into something like a really ambitious like uh, role playing game wouldn't be a very wise move at this stage. Uh, see, like I business side has always say. been a struggle for me, right? Because I'm just looking at it a purely like. Dude, if I was playing this game, I'd have so much fun <laughs> right now. Like I'm so yeah. like, childlike in that nature. I think so, <laughs> where it's like, I think getting into the business side would kill it for me. Like, oh, I want to do all of this cool stuff, and then sit in their face with reality of like, yeah, well, you got to meet all these milestones. You know, got to do this and that by this time. Where it kind of like holds you back from like, if you're working on your own personal like passion project, yeah. right? Where you can spend all the yeah. time in the world to perfect something or get it how you really want it. Versus when you're shipping a title with another company, you're kind of behooven to you know their time constraints yeah. and that limits of you course. to how far you can explore an idea. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode with this guy Ben from Australia, and he considers himself a bit of a digital nomad, right? He's a game developer. But it took him like a decade to put his game out. But he traveled the world while he was doing it because he had just gotten out of got, gotten out of school and he had the side project just to build his resume. And then he got a job, and then his game got greenlit on Steam. And he's like, "Well, I want to travel the world now, so I'm just going to develop my game on the side when I have time." And uh, yeah, it turns out it took him about ten years to make his game, but eventually he did it. The whole thing was like he built his own game engine from the ground up. Oh wow! He's in like. Yeah, so it was like this whole big thing. But, you know, the whole point is like he he wanted to be his own boss and he wanted to just like if, if he could make just enough money to live and and do something he enjoyed, he'd rather do that than ever like work for somebody else and just punch a time clock. And right. it wasn't like he loves making games, but he doesn't want he doesn't want to be like in the grind and like just working for a studio on somebody else's vision. And right. I, I guess you, you can only respect that, you know? Oh, yeah, like 100%. I mean, for me, I kind of take a different look on it, right? Um, yeah. Working in a studio, you get to learn so much, at least I have been able to, because mm-hmm. you get to sit there and talk with people who have been in this industry, right, and they're veterans, and they know all the little things that you might not necessarily even consider. You get different points of view, and you get different people's experiences that you can ask him. I mean, they, you work alongside him, so you get some uh, you get hands-on experience, and then you can pick people's brains for how how their brains work. Yeah, like for me, I think I have a tendency to like overcomplicate ideas in my head. Like on a first go of like, okay, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to tackle it this way, and it's like this huge big ordeal. And you know, I'll run it by someone who's you know got a lot more experience than me, and they're like, well, why don't you 
do you ever think about doing it like this way? And, you know, it's just like, oh, dude, here I am trying to like, you know, force my way through brambles, right, to get to this chalice. <laughs> and then like he's over here like, bro, why aren't you taking the sidewalk? <laughs> like, I don't know. Huh. I think if I was trying to do that on my own, I would mm. be turning my wheels in the muck a lot longer. So let me just, uh, I guess we'll just close up this section about, well, let me just try to sum it up from my point of view. Okay. You were interested in video games from a young age, and it was something that you got a lot of satisfaction from, right? From playing these games, you know, mm-hmm. more so than going to school, obviously. <laughs> you know, you, you felt, well, at least from from what I heard from you, like you got more satisfaction, like completing a level or, you know, defeating a trainer in Pokemon than like doing your homework. Well, no shit, but... And, and then you uh, you figured, oh, why not? I'll uh, join the military. Can't be that bad. At least I'll get my school paid for. So you did that, got out of school. And, and then your mom was like, well, you like video games. Why don't you go to school for video games? <laughs> <laughs> that, part, that part kind of blew my mind. Well, thanks, mom, I guess, right? I mean, to be fair, at that point, too, for me, it was kind of like, oh, like really? Are you suggesting this? Because, like... <laughs> I don't know. Just I like I'd always get railed, you know, growing up of like spending too much time on video games, and now it's just like, well, it's cool that she took an interest at that point, took an interest to like to like push you in the right direction, which was great, you know. And then you know you had your GI Bill, you got your got your your bachelor's, which you finished in two years, and then you got the internship, right? And then you uh, spent a lot of time on Twitch and playing Daisy with the boys for those two years. And then, uh, you know, while you were looking for a job and you got a job and then time flies, here you are. So you've got a decent job. And like, what does the future look for you? Like, what what are you looking forward to in your life as far as your career goes? I mean, I think like at some point, everyone's got kind of like a passion project, right? That they're always mulling over the back of their head. And so for me, like going forward, like I'm really happy to the company that I'm working at right now, like everyone there is just fucking amazing to work with just genuinely good people and just the fucking amount of talent is just mind-boggling but i think like at some point i'd like to get to a spot where i feel comfortable kind of taking ideas a bit further on my own and just kind of exploring some of those and actually fleshing them out instead of just this constant mull over of like okay how would i approach that and then like you know jot down some notes for later I, i think at some point i'd really like to kind of experiment with the idea of like a game geared towards role play, right? Where there's built-in mechanics. And I think like for a time I was kind of working on a server for Jams, um, GTARP and working with the devs that we had working on just the little script stuff that we were doing and just seeing that potential. And there is a way to create a world in which you have kind of that stereotypical NPC roles, right? But creating a way in which if a player wanted to, they could take over that role and just, you know, I think it would be a unique experience. And obviously this is like something way down the road. I mean, there's still limitations as far as for what I see in the vision of it, like later down Mm. the path. But I don't know. I think it would just be interesting, right? You're kind of interacting with something that you would expect to be just a program NPC and it ends up being a player filling in that role because they just feel like being Uh a shop owner for a day or something, right? Yeah. That kind of stuff I I think is something I'd really like to explore. And then like further Twitch integration into the game of where Mm. finding a way to merge. Have you seen Choice Chamber? Yes. I thought that was such an amazing concept of like, okay, we're going to give chat some control over elements of like, you know, what kind of mobs are going to spawn or how this room is going to be laid out. And it's something that just 
Yeah, you, you can hurt the player, help the player, decide to make the game harder, easier. And yeah, it's it's a choice chamber. <laughs> I mean, the game right. is aptly named. <laughs> yeah. But you're also trying to like on the development side, right? You're not trying to give like, you know how chat can get, right? Oh, yeah, man. And so you, you also got to keep in mind this kind of balance aspect of like, how can I make this fun and not just where these people are pretty much just kicking, you know, whoever's playing the game into the dirt. So how would that how would that Twitch interaction fit in with role play? That's what I'm curious about. I guess that I guess those are ideas to be determined. <laughs> yeah, like over time. I kind of like the idea of like you know environmental changes, right? Okay, but nothing like super detrimental. You know how we have in some games like if you, Minecraft, for example, um, the procedurally generated, right? Yes. So you're pulling from kind of this, okay. What am I spawning here? Well, here's my fucking big bag of choices. And you randomly decide out of this bag, right? Well, Mm -hmm. instead of letting some line of code make that choice, why not give those options to the chat base of like, okay, they're going into this area. What is it going to populate with? Mm -hmm. Now, on a very like broad stroke, right? Yeah, like like one through five, you know, sunny to rainy type of thing, just as an example. Exactly. Or like, is this going to be like a lava area or is there going to, you know, like stuff like that or like Mm -hmm. what mobs are going to be in this area where it's Mm -hmm. a category that any of the choices aren't going to punish the player. But every time you go into an area, you're not sure what to expect because it's being Mm -hmm. generated by the choices your chat so like a concept like that i feel would be like something really fun to kind of explore and experiment Mm. with and if you bring in that into like an rp aspect right you have this ever-changing environment of you know anytime they say it's like a dungeon or something right and they go into there it's not just like all right here we go we do the loop we know how everything works it's like nah it's gonna (laughs) be changing all the time yeah man interaction and your experience is always going to be different i'm a big fan of procedural generation because it yeah, it does make the make things so much more dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and games that do it well last a long time. But yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a big challenge, you know. Oh, and how yeah. does it? Well, hey, you know, encouraging chat interaction is something. When I did stream a lot, that was I was always looking for stuff like that. I always catered towards trying to play games that uh, that had chat interaction. I was even looking at ways. I played this game Seven Days to Die, and I was looking at ways that the you know the chat could could use like their loyalty points you get from watching the stream use those to to spawn in mobs and i wanted the thing where like they could give me items or they could spend a whole lot of points and make the game really hard like spawn a horde and whatever it's really difficult to implement though (laughs) oh yeah it's hard to it's a lot it's a lot to uh it sounds simple but there's just a lot and especially if you're trying to like take it like Single player game is going to bring its own challenges, right? Even with that kind of system, you add in the complexity of trying to get that on a multiplayer aspect. Like, yeah. holy fuck. So is it fair to say that, oh, you love your job, but you have that, you feel like you have this vision that, that, that you want and other people will want too, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because as far as so far on all the projects I've worked on, I haven't ever felt like, God, I don't fucking like, I don't want to work on this. I want to go do my own thing. It's, it's never really been that it's just the aspect Mm. of like, you have those constraints, right. Of where you can't really, you don't have the time to explore all the ideas on this one little thing, right. You got to go, okay, what's going to work. What, you know, is going to be able to be done in the time frame we have more of what i was saying you have these ideas t- for your project that you'd want to do someday and it's almost like burning a hole in your pocket like 
you just you're kind of itching to actually put something out in the world maybe is that is that fair yeah i think it's kind of like falling back to everyone wants to somehow leave their mark right yeah and I think the video game kind of gives you, or a video game, I should say, gives you a unique way to do that because you're you're definitely going to have to put pieces of yourself into it, right? Like anything you work on is going to reflect who you are as a person. And I think video games kind of have that aspect of you get to see a little bit of everyone who worked on that, right? Of how they viewed something and then translated that vision for other people to see. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you take little pieces of of what you've well unless you're coming up with an entirely new idea there's always something that influenced you along the way right so you're paying you're paying homage to all of the things that you've experienced in your life and in playing games too i think it's another reason too why daisy really hooked me as well is like growing up you know stepdad was ex-military so he's always like all right you know this is you know show me all the like little survival things and stuff like Mm. all right this is how you make a you know deadfall and here's a snare <laughs> trap and daisy kind of was the first like survival game right where like all of that stuff that i had done in the woods growing up i now can do on a different scale in this video game no <laughs> one was ever really doing that right nobody was no and it was cool because i remember like oh this would be cool to be in a video game like you know as you're growing up and stuff and then just to see that there's other people out there that share that same thought and you're actually seeing it you know, in a physical form and you get to interact with that. Yeah. You have all these tools and what are you going to do with it? And it's, it's pretty crazy having learned all of that as a kid and then become an adult. And then finally there's a video game that just catches you off guard. Yeah. Cause you just think like, I guess I'm the only one that finds this like survival stuff interesting. <laughs> and then just to see it explode and really like, Oh, there's like a lot yeah. of other nerdy dudes out there. It's like, wild you know? dude. Okay. Well, let me think of a very out of left field question. Okay. How, how about this? What do you think of the new Survivor games? Um, I was lucky enough to kind of work on it early on, kind of like halfway through the project with them. So it's it's good to see, you know, what they've done with it. And I feel like it's unique enough that it just doesn't look like... It's so weird, right? Because like we had the Survivor games, we did this event, and then Battle Royale came out, uh, PlayerUnknown's Battle Royale, and it really just opened up more attention to that genre, I think. Yeah beyond the scope of Twitch. And it was it was nice to see that it wasn't something niche, right? That like everyone was really digging this idea. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to see what they pulled off with the current Survivor games because it, it doesn't seem like they just, oh, we're just going to do everything, you know, that's already being done. Like there's uniqueness to it. Like the hot air balloons and the exploding collars, right? Yeah. And even just the layout. So... You're always going to have those people out there like, oh, they just ripped off, you know, people that aren't familiar with the history behind it. Oh, they just ripped yeah. off. It's just another BR clone. Well, it's like, <laughs> nah, man, it's a whole it's a whole different experience, right? Well, I think that I think the players myself, well, I can't call myself like a Daisy player, but I was a Daisy player. I was super obsessed with with Daisy mod survivor games. I ended up I was lucky enough to play in survivor games at one point. So knowing the history of it. And seeing where it is now, it's def- it definitely is like a lot a lot more respectable in my eyes than others that will just look at it and say, oh, it's another, oh, they just wanted to, uh, quote unquote, like capitalize on the right. BR effect. Like, come on, man. Like, if they wanted to do that, they would have done it years ago, right? You'd think they would have. If, if they wanted to shit out a game mode, like what people oh, think, yeah. what people think they did. 
No, I, I was mean, wondering. I always wondered when they were going to take advantage of the of that uh, IP because they they purchased it at Bohemia purchased Survivor Games at one point. I yeah. wondered when they were going to take advantage of it. I mean, I think it's it's that splitting your resources, right? Of like, you obviously they've even from day one they've had people like on their ass about like, so when's this thing hitting stable? You know. Huh. And so I feel like, I mean, for them too, it's one of those things you struggle with from a business perspective too, is like, okay, yes, this is very popular, but if we just all of a sudden push this out before the game's even yeah. done, how is that going to be received, right? And that's the unfortunate side of things because people, mm. I don't know, maybe I'm just only seeing through one of the lenses because, you know, the internet's almost like a bubble sometimes, right? Where sure. It's like it just seems nothing but negative backlash all the time. Or maybe it's just the vocal minority, right? I don't know, dude. My my dad always said this. And okay, call me a boomer if you want. I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> he always said, like, people are not happy unless they have something to complain about. You know? Oh. It's like people are always trying to pick shit apart. You know? My dad wasn't even talking about the internet. He's just talking about people complaining about shit, you know? They just, it's just, uh, I don't know, people that are unhappy in their position in life. They're always, like, looking that it's somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. It's not me that I'm feeling unfulfilled in my life. It's, well, you know, these developers, they're, they're, they're shit and they don't care about the community. <laughs> it's like this big ball of uh, transference almost. I mean, I've been guilty of it at, at times too. Oh, but. I think we all have. Like I said, like there's definitely like aspects of it. it's just basic human nature, right? Like shit's going to happen. Not trying to like everyone's going to do it at some point. It's yeah. just, you know, how far do you take that negativity that tends to leak out here and there? Well, I mean, Daisy Standalone as a whole, that obviously hasn't been a perfect project. They've had all sorts of difficulties from the beginning. But had they had they saw that PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, one of the freaking top selling games ever, whatever, it's the made them like hundreds of millions of dollars or however much money they made. If they're like, oh man, we got to capitalize on this right now. I mean, the, the backlash would have been so bad. Oh, you know? yeah. As it, as it is, you know, the fact that they just announced this thing out of nowhere, everyone's like, what? I, people didn't even know. Like, I knew that they owned that, but a lot of people didn't. Yeah, it was it was pretty much, like, again, though, it's because people are automatically, if they, like, say Survivor Games was more public about the development, they're going to be like, oh, why are you putting yeah. all those resources and this isn't fixed on DayZ and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and it's, like, totally different team. It's not like we, like, cut the, yeah. you know, dev team from DayZ and, like, scooted over. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, we're working on this now and, like, can fend for themselves and figure out what. But that's how people envision it. And there's mm -hmm. you could sit there and freaking tell them all day what's going on they're not gonna believe you <laughs> <laughs> you can't just like release all of like the internal communications oh, from a yeah, development no. team it's like <laughs> people are just gonna make up their wild conspiracy theories no matter what so whatever you know at, at the end of the day like if the product is good then you know games are always gonna have their like fanboys and their haters it's just the way it goes and oh, yeah it's it's yeah. almost like it's it's almost like your game isn't doing it right if there isn't like a, a healthy mix of, of the two like how many times would a new mmo come out and people are like oh it's a new wow killer and you're just like why <laughs> god it's Dude. because because they always wish it would be true but why though like that's the well one they wanted they, they, I, I feel like people want to be hipsters they want to be like well this is my little corner of the internet this is my game that that I like and it's cool and the thing that everybody else likes that's like huge it's like a weird jealousy thing I don't know I know I don't know I always found it fascinating even from like a streamer perspective right and correct me if I'm wrong but you've probably had to have dealt with this at some point where you're playing a game and someone just 
for whatever reason has to come in there and just be like, this game's awful. And just like shit all over the yes. place. And you're like, what? why are like, you here? <laughs> if you don't like it, why? Like, do you just, does someone have to listen to you? Like I, someone has to hear this. Like, I have to get this out. Yeah. No, it's uh boy. Even, even with, uh, even in the epoch mod days, you know, people would come in and, They'd be like, well, we like this mod better. I'm like, great, good. You're like, your mod is shit. This other mod is better. I'm like, cool, cool. Well, thanks. I don't know how to respond to that. All right. Like, are you trying to sell me to try this out when you're just like already? Like, it's interesting because it's like you have someone come in, right? And if I was trying to convince you to come try something else, me shitting all over what you're having fun with is going to make me not want to have anything to do with you or what you like just because of already associating yeah. that negatively yeah. like yeah. my first experience into that is already negative like how are you gonna try you'd be a horrible <laughs> car salesman like your car is yeah. a piece of fucking shit yeah. i plug it to well, you fucking piece of human garbage can't believe you'd even set foot in that buy this car like i don't want to do shit with you you're being an <laughs> asshole dude like what the fuck yeah it's just, i feel like people are just just undeveloped socially they don't they don't they don't they're not very self-aware of of how they're coming off to people yeah. they don't really have a leg to stand on when you come in and you're just like this game fucking suck uh you're bald um <laughs> what else that's what, that's what people always say god like oh thanks man i didn't notice god whew, fuck what am i gonna do about this <laughs> you can only hear it about a thousand times before you're like okay enough man okay so I don't even think you're going to have an opinion about this, but it's like one of those questions, like if I don't ask it, I don't know, maybe you'll have a reaction to it or not. (laughs) There was a, you know, the new call of duty game. Mm -hmm. They had this like press conference where they were showing some off some of the campaign. They had some like pretty crazy imagery in the, in the campaign where they were uh, shooting civilians and crazy things that happen in war sometimes. And And some veterans came out, there's like this backlash about it, but basically they were, they were saying that developers, you know, Activision and that they, well, Activision's a publisher. Who's the developers of Call of Duty? I forget, but it doesn't matter. Right. They're saying like they shouldn't be speaking for the, they shouldn't be like trying to portray this like super realistic version of war, right? Right. Like they, sh- they should, like, I don't know, like it's a video game. It's not, it's not meant to be, no matter how realistic, the way I see it's like, no matter how realistic a video game is, it's still not really meant to be 100% historically accurate. That's like saying that a, a live action movie is meant to be like a documentary. Like, do you have any, do you have any opinions on that? So let me try to reframe this just to make sure I'm kind of understanding what you're um, yeah. asking. I didn't even ask you a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It, it seems like you're trying to kind of go down. Like if I'm understanding this correctly, almost like they're like, Hey, you guys have no right to kind of go over these topics and portray this when you've never experienced it firsthand. So like you're, what you're putting out is skewed because you're only taking from what you're seeing here and there in the media, right? Well, let me, let me just, I, I have the article pulled up. Okay. Okay. Well, here's a question in this article. How does a game about modern warfare, a game dedicated to realism, justify how it picks and chooses what realities portray in its game? It's like, well, why, why are you telling, why is like the public trying to tell the developers how to make their art because i feel like video games are just art right mm-hmm. they're not th- this isn't this isn't this isn't being portrayed as 100 accurate or even it's like more like inspired by um it's just meant to be like an immersive experience right like i don't am i seeing it wrong here i, I can't um, speak for everybody in the of course community not. obviously right no um, and everyone's had their 
you know, different and unique experiences of what they've been exposed to deployed to a combat zone. I, I, I just, I don't, I could see getting upset about it if it was like your likeness being used, right? And then mm. them trying to tell a story of your life and then, you mm. know, details are incorrect or whatever. And like, this isn't how it happened. But this is a fictional character in a yeah. fictional setting of stuff that tends to happen in war and how someone chooses mm -hmm. to frame that. Like you don't see people freaking out about fucking war movies on that level, or at least I, yeah. maybe I'm not looking in the right spot. I don't know. I think, I think that some of the arguments these guys are making and, and me myself, well, what the fuck? It goes double for me. I've never been anywhere close to a gunshot, much less in a war zone. I, I didn't have that service, you know, I, anyway, people are like, Oh, you don't see all of the, the days and weeks leading up to that that gunfight. Well, that doesn't make a very interesting piece of entertainment, does it? To have like yeah. all of the all of the downtime in there. Hey, watch you this know? three hour long cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, man. I everyone has the right to their own opinion, but I think I get more like it's funny, like you watch movies, right? And you're like, that's not how a grenade explodes. <laughs> and you're doing shit like that. And then you see, you know, this like you're bringing up and you're just like Yo, dude, chill. It's different when you just watch it with your homies, right? And you're like, ah, oh, it's not like it's fucking not that big and shit like that. Yeah. And then to just like lose your shit on the internet about like how they decide to tell their story. Like, bro, mm -hmm. it's a fictional piece of work. Are you gonna sit there now and go through all those war books that got published, like fictional stories, and start mm -hmm. like flaming these dudes too? Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, but really, I was glad I, I got to hear your perspective on it. But also, like, I can see. Well, imagine, imagine that you're this guy that like just can't. The war just doesn't leave him no matter what, right? And his life mm -hmm. fucking sucked after he came back, and people didn't treat him very well. I've heard that story a lot, you know. My uncle yeah. was in Vietnam and he came back home and he thought that he thought that like he was kind of at least be a little bit of a local hero. He thought that people would treat him well and people did not like the Vietnam War. And when he came back, people did not were not like super receptive to that. And he went to his dad. His dad was in World War Two and he was telling him about it. And he's trying to talk to him and he's like, well, dad, you know, people just don't respect me. They don't respect the fact that I was over there and served. And he's like, listen. The war is over. You just got to fucking get over it. You know, like he was still fighting his own demons from, right. from being in the war. He didn't have any time for that. That's just the way the public treated people back then. I'd like to think nowadays it's different, but still uh, veterans do get left, left to fend for themselves more often than not, which is sad. You could see like a guy like that. That's kind of felt like they've been left, left to fend for themselves. I can't think of another way to put it. Um, how they seeing something that's like, Oh, this is just a big piece of entertainment. Everyone's just fucking eating popcorn and watching this really badass movie about war and they don't know what I went through. So you can right. always see you can always see that too. Yeah, I cannot I mean everyone comes with their baggage, comes out of that with their That's baggage. Right. Yeah. And and while I agree, like, dude, shit can get rough. At the same time, if it's rough for you, man, like go get some help. I think it's the hardest thing in the military is that you're always told to suck shit up, right? And then like, oh, don't be a pussy. Fucking ain't nothing wrong with your brain. And it's like, <laughs> nah, dude, like there is some truth to like the shit you're exposed to is going to affect you, right? Like no matter yeah. on what scale, there's going to be something yeah. that you take away from that experience. Mm -hmm. And whether that's something that haunts you or something that you're proud of, depending on what the moment was. But like if you sit there and don't deal with your shit, it's going to just get worse. 
And I think that's like the biggest thing if I, you know, was talking to anybody that was going through problems is like, look, dude, there's no shame going and getting help and talking to this about someone because typically, at least in my experience in the military, it's a lot of dark humor, right? And that's the way you deal with it, but it's not really being dealt with, right? It's the kind of, <laughs> you're just constantly brushing it off. It's like a really bad yeah. case of dandruff, right? It's you not gotta, going away, but you're just trying to shake it all off your black you gotta shirt. You got to stay sharp, right? right? Like you can't, you can't just completely break down. Yeah. It's like, you got to just suck it up, go and get some freaking head and shoulders, right? <laughs> I, I mean, it's a goofy oh, analogy, but it's the best no. way I can try to frame that. Yeah. Treat the symptoms, not the problem. Right. Because then it's just you're sitting there and it's like you're this big hose of all this negative stuff growing from that and then just being pumped out. And it's like, well, not only now are you suffering, but all these other people are kind of, you know, dealing mm. with this chaos you're throwing out God. of how you're, you're trying to process this. And it's just just go talk to somebody. Right. And get that out there and like just flush that system. I think we're fortunate nowadays. I don't know what it's like on the veteran side, you know, but at least we can have these conversations about mental health and it's not seen as like this, at least for men, like as this like faux pas thing of like, you're not really seen as weak, but, but like you said before, is, is it, or, or is it true that, um, well, you're still kind of ingrained with that, like suck it up mentality, it, have the resources improved for veterans and for with mental health? I don't know. My experience with the VA was kind of hit or miss. Like sometimes I felt like I got what I needed and there's other times where I felt kind of left out to dry. But this, this again was back in 2012. Yeah. Uh, where it was kind of the whole system was a clusterfuck. I've heard it's gotten better. I haven't had to really utilize any of that stuff yeah. uh, like the resources so i can't really firsthand experience like oh yeah it's great or no it's still shitty well um, i mean I've at least things he's, have gotten better yeah at least at least like the internet is a is a place where people can come together and and really just veterans finding a way to kind of band together and like support groups or you know whatever activities like well i talking like a like an idiot here because i don't really know but it seems like the the guys that I've talked to, even at the freaking community college that I, that I'm going to, um, taking some classes there, they have like a little veteran center. It's like just this trailer. It's like this trailer called a mod, but really it's like a trailer, and it's got a little office in there. It's air conditioned. There's a guy that's in there all the time, and people can go in there and they get connected to resources. And like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. Just at this little community college, and all the veterans that they always like to hang in there hang in there together and you know chat because they kind of miss that that camaraderie of of the enlisted life you know yeah it's it's interesting that you brought that up because it's it's funny like when i first got out it was it was kind of weird kind of getting back into like the normal civilian way like everything like it's like a fraternity almost right where you're just like everyone's very outspoken what's on their mind not worrying about offending anyone because everyone just speaks what's on their mind unfiltered yep you're dealing with life and death stuff right there's no need <laughs> to pussyfoot around shit yeah it just it, gets it cuts, in the way cuts all the fakeness and drops it right like there's no time i to mean there's fake. still a little yeah. bit of that and that's always good ah, yeah, but yeah, yeah for the most part but it was like such a weird transition for me because i was always just very blunt and just the way people who weren't never exposed to that kind of lifestyle would just really take it the wrong way. You know, sometimes you're just like dark humor joke would slip out and you just get the look of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And it's weird because it's like <laughs> alienating in this way. Right. Cause you're like, is there something wrong with me? Like, fuck. Like, 
am I just this like yeah dark someone thinks i'm like kind of made you feel like an outsider for a little bit uh, and then you just kind of like readapt to like oh yeah you can't really you know and it wasn't so much of like just saying stuff that wasn't like offensive or anything it was just like you know you're you're tell like people would ask you questions and then you tell them stories of stuff that happened and for me it i tried to be like here's all the facts here's everything let me explain to you in graphic detail right so i'm painting you this picture like you were there but for some mm-hmm. people, while that might not necessarily, I don't see it as messed up as they do because I was exposed to so much of that. For right. them, it's like horrifying, right? And you're you're, you're like <laughs> oh, wow. telling them the story and you're watching this horror creep across their face and you're like, fuck, okay, well, let me try to, I guess not, <laughs> let me pull out some of these details because I guess you just can't. And it's weird because like, Whoa. for me, I'm just not realizing how heavy it is, right? Because it's just day to day. Mm-hmm. And I, I think yeah. that's the most thing that like I or one of the things that I became like really aware of was just like, OK, got to tone it back a little bit. Yeah. Some people just the shock of that. They they like never even want to hear about it. Right. Yeah. I think that we're just so I mean, not that we're desensitized to the violence, but just the aftermath to us. It's already processed as aftermath. Right. Whereas, yes. You know, people are seeing this mental picture in their head when you're explaining it and are just horrified because they're living in that at the moment of never being exposed to that level of violence. Right. They see it. They see like the news story is like, okay, however many dead, however many injured. And they don't like the other details. Yeah, it's all about numbers. I mean, fuck. (laughs) My dad, my dad and I used to watch all of the uh, like history channel growing up like the documentaries about the battles in world war ii and you could you could dive in for a thousand hours and not learn like five percent of what went on there oh but, yeah uh, but yeah even, even those documentaries don't go into too gory detail no, hearing it from like a, a point of view perspective is a is a whole nother all wax uh, not not for not for the faint of heart for sure oh yeah any video game related, role play related, like what type of stuff content wise do you have to look forward to over the next, like the rest of this year? You said that you were involved with uh, uh, doing some RP in the Red Zone, which is a Daisy standalone server jam jars, right? Yeah, he's he's put together a Daisy Red Zone with some mods and stuff. It's kind of a unique and fun experience for the game because normal public servers, it's pretty much KOS, right? Kill on site. Yep. Whereas what he's done with the server is he's set around, uh, set aside unique zones where, sure, if you want a KOS, here's your area to do that in, right? And it's in settings that make sense, like military areas yeah. where you're only really get going in there to get these guns to kill other people, right? Yeah, uh, this is kind of a hotbed that people fight over. Trying to enforce RP in that area would be difficult at best, right? Because it's a resource you're competing over. But the rest of the map, you're running through the woods. Nothing's more frustrating than just like running. All of a sudden, someone you're just dead, right? There was no interaction. <laughs> you're just dead. Like, yeah, it's not really that immersive. So what he's done is set, you know, aside these areas for that KOS type activity. But there's this vast area to explore storytelling and create these settings and unique moments of interaction that fuck there's so many times playing with him doing rp stuff where you're just like dude you would never back in the day get a chance to kind of explore that idea in that fashion right because you're either limited on a rails through this you know game and npcs and everything 
Mm-hmm. Whereas with, you know, these modern daisy servers, like you can be a merchant, you could be this vagabond wandering the fucking wasteland, you know, maybe trading stuff that you found for things that you need. So it kind of brings the realism in and this unique opportunity to craft these stories in a setting that's believable. And I think that's addicting in its own nature because it lets you explore all these thoughts you know that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get that interaction on any other server because like the moment you see someone else they're just gonna kill you right yeah and it's a big draw for viewers too for the content creators that are doing it you know jam jar and many others yeah you get to sit there and watch a story unfold right and who knows how it's gonna swing because it's you know, based on these other characters' whims. Pretty wild, man. Okay, I had two questions, and then what the fuck? I I got into that one, and then I forgot. Okay, let me think for <laughs> two seconds. It's good. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, I got it. Okay, so you're like kind of all in on this RP gameplay, whether it comes to Daisy or otherwise, like this uh, hypothetical project that that you have kind of planned for the future. You must see this as something that's that's going to out that's going to outlast the cycle that like survival games on their own lasted, right? It, do you see that as like kind of the future of this kind of niche area of let's say like PC gaming and kind of integrated into into content creation on Twitch, you know, like stuff stuff like you're doing at the Red Zone, you think that that's going to be relevant, let's say 5 years from now. I think it could be. I'm definitely not one to be able to predict any kind of markets. Um, <laughs> well, well, but, like how long of a how long of a life cycle do you think it could have, or do you think it could in, could evolve into something else? Well, I mean, it could be. Uh, if you think of World of Warcraft, right, and yeah. the updates are constantly pushing out new content with a system where you're kind of catering to RP, you could keep going. Like I could sit here and throw out new mod ideas all day for DayZ. Right. Mm-hmm. And with a you know, an RP title like that where you're trying to bring in Twitch integration, you could constantly be pushing out new tools for, you know, chat to engage in the game, mm-hmm. um, new tools for the players like Daisy right now, like there's really no like herbal crafting, right? Where you go out and gather certain herbs and create yeah. things for certain sicknesses or mm-hmm. you know, if it was an RPG title like potions or whatnot, right? New content can be constantly generated. I don't I don't think there's really an end cycle unless, you know, your players just for whatever reason mm. are not. I, I mean, I think you're going to want to try to incorporate some lore, right? Okay. Where it's yeah. something that they're invested in that story and they want to keep contributing. Sure. And I think if you get that hook for them to make their own mm. little story, right, that becomes part of that overall lore, you're just going to bring them closer to that title because they're going to be more invested of that little part that they've contributed. So is the onus on like people creating like different mods or modlets or scripts or things that are uh, integrated into the game or is it on the players to to create their own stories? Because I don't know. I'm not sure, actually. Well, I, th- I think for me, it's kind of like this blank canvas, right? And it's like, let's see what you can paint on here. And you give them the tools to do that. There you go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. Last question. Are you going to any uh, any cons? I just thought of this uh, a minute ago. Are you going to any cons? Going to like uh, TwitchCon, PAX West, anything coming up here? Not not this year, just because, no. um, yeah, just work. I want to yeah. save up all my vacation time pretty much okay. to get like a nice big chunk. Yeah. So I think I'm going to sit some out this year, but probably next year I'll be out at them again. Okay. Anything that you want to... Uh, 
you want to throw out your Twitter handle? People can <laughs> get a hold of you or anything. <laughs> I don't know. You, you don't seem you, you don't seem like the type of person that's like too active on social media and, and stuff like that. So uh, I only got into twi- uh, Twitter because everyone was giving me shit for not being on it back when I did stream, <laughs> and then yeah. after kind of putting that on hiatus, after I got involved in game dev. It's, yeah. it's more of I just use it to like keep tabs on what I'm missing, yeah. you know, uh, in previous scenes and then like found a bunch of other devs because they'll, you know, put out what they're working on in real. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I wonder, you know, how you could take it this yeah. way. Yeah, like I got that. you. So I got you. It's more of like a news feed for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. The mysterious Lou. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like your Twitter handle is a is a secret, but no. um, you're just, at the the uh, I can't even say it at that official Lou. That official loop. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, this is this is great, man. I'm glad I got to learn more about your story that I never would have guessed. So um, maybe I can have fun. you on in the, yeah, maybe I can have you on in the future. And and uh, if you got more more things that you could we could speak in more specifics than oh <laughs> yeah, secret. I'm always yeah. down, man. That'd be great, man. Thanks. Yeah, anytime. Just hit me up. Cool. Music in this episode is from the amazing, talented data rebel i'm just the guy who likes to listen to stories my name is dan talstead i edited this episode and my friend tipsy jack helped me mix it if you want to hear more of the show or subscribe you can find us on our website pod.co slash emotive you can also find us on twitter and instagram at emotive podcast i'm going to be off next week for a family event Episodes will be resuming on the 26th. And coming up, we've got some more interesting guests, so stay tuned. And thanks for listening.